Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. My God, but there's so many things going on, Rita. Yeah, there are so many things. By the way, um, first on uh, all the chaos with the migrant front, some good news. The U.S. Marshals apprehended a 15-year-old migrant from Venezuela who opened fire. Uh, first 15 years old? 15 and stayed at a migrant shelter in New York. Uh, opened fire, shot a tourist, was shooting at a guard. And shooting then shot at a, a crowd? Two, yeah, and shot at, at a crowd. and shooting at police. A lovely young man, and we're happy to have him here. Yeah, exactly. A fine man, exactly. And they put out sort of an APB for him. They put out a $13,000 reward. And I guess maybe somebody at the migrant shelter said, uh, Somebody's 15 grand richer, right? A reward always helps. Always helps. Um, And something that doesn't help you guys. Governor wants to know if they released him on on his own reconnaissance. (laughs) 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 I'm sure they did. By the way, speaking of uh, cognizance or not, uh, President Biden last night, I got to talk. You guys, that press conference that he had, he was blistering to the media when the media was asking him about, of course, the special counsel report saying that he has mental incompetency and he's a well-meaning elderly man. That's why they're not charging him. Did you see this, Judge Weinberg? He well, was screaming and the, said, how dare you say that to me? Uh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, he said. He was screaming. Was this was the, the Biden reporters. at the, the reporters. Report. And by the way, the purpose of this was to rehabilitate him from this report, this damning report, raising the issue of his competency. He's supposed to show he's knowledgeable in control and has all his faculties. Guess what? He failed. He's not knowledgeable yeah. in faculties <laughs> or control of his faculties. Rita, you got a call coming in? Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now is the founder of Just the News, the great investigative journalist, John Solomon. John, you had a big scoop about Biden using these kind of fake emails. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is really important. Uh, It came out just a few hours after Robert Hur's stinging report, and it shows another disregard for the rules of government. Of course, in the classified uh, documents case, Joe Biden's accused of taking documents, keeping them and sharing them without uh, proper legal authority. In this case, Joe Biden began using in 2010 a private email address to conduct official government business. This is important because every federal agency tells its employers you're not supposed to conduct uh, any official business on your private email account. Well, Joe Biden did that. We know there's 82,000 pages of documents that we're eventually going to get. We only got 60 at the first production. We sued with the uh, Southeastern Legal Foundation as our partner. We got the first 60 pseudonym emails. What do they show? They make eminently clear that Joe Biden was using this one Gmail account, which was Robinware456 at gmail.com. Gmail not being a very secure email for government business. Uh, and he was conducting business. He was getting speeches. He was getting drafts of speeches. He was sending memos to his staff using this private email address. Uh, the National Archives has these records preserved. We're trying to force them into the public. Now, there's some other very important developments with you. you also see Joe Biden looping in his son, Hunter, his brother, James, his late son, Bo Biden, into official White House conversations, basically treating his family like they were additional senior White House staff 
that raises another set of questions, particularly knowing that Hunter Biden and James Biden were traveling the world trying to make money off of sometimes unscrupulous countries. Uh, and so we, we see that confirmed in this initial production. The third thing we see, uh, though it's only 60 emails, is that the National Archives is going to try to claim that it doesn't want to release the majority of these emails. There's already out of these first emails several that they're redacting in full or in part saying, we're not going to let you see this. They have a variety of excuses, but there is a lot of effort to already keep the American public from seeing what Joe Biden was doing, government business on his private email at the Obama White House. Wow. I mean, uh, to, to do it through the uh, Obama White House, this is when he was vice president? It was. It was. The same time he was doing it, Hillary Clinton had her private email server. So you're getting a sense that this was really pervasive, uh, despite the fact that the rule said you're not supposed to do this. You know, there was one thing uh, that you also had, John, that I thought was interesting, the timing. I think it's a later <laughs> one, right, in 2015. And explain it, because it involves uh, then, of course, uh, Joe Biden. It, it describes also his son, Hunter. And it's what, the head of Ukraine? Yes, listen, that's the first email we turned up. This is before, and by the way, the National Archives hasn't produced that email to us yet. We found it on the, on the laptop. But in 2015, excuse me, in early May, I think it's May of 2016, uh, Joe Biden's about to have a conversation with the president of Ukraine, the very president, just a few months earlier, he jawboned into firing the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden's employer, Burisma Holdings in Ukraine. They get rid of the Ukrainian prosecutor. He's talking to that president again, the guy he jawboned, the guy he said, you're not getting a billion dollars in USAID unless you fire this prosecutor. And he loots his son, Hunter, into the calendar notation so that on this private email, the president's being told, you have a sensitive conversation with a world leader. And oh, we're telling your son about it. Again, why, why does Hunter Biden need to know that? Usually conversations between world leaders are considered sensitive. They're often classified, as we know. That's a very important uh, development. And I want to take that and link back to something that is in the Robert Herr report, because there is one piece of evidence in the Robert Herr report yesterday that almost certainly is going to impact the impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Remember, a big part of the inquiry is why did Joe Biden fire the prosecutor? Why did he change U.S. policy? Why did he use a threat of withholding American aid to get some objective that really isn't the U.S. decision? Right? It's not the U.S. decision to decide who the prosecutor is. Well, in the documents that Joe Biden had classified, where it was a document marked secret, so it was at the secret level of classification, it is his conversation with the Ukrainian prime minister in December 2015. Why is that important? That's the very month that Joe Biden began the effort to fire the, uh, to force the firing of this prosecutor, Victor Shokin, who was looking at Hunter Biden's company. Of all the documents that Hunter Biden, or excuse me, that Joe Biden could secret, and keep uh, from his vice presidency, he keeps these conversations with Ukraine's prime minister right on the month he's trying to force the firing. That, I think, is going to be a very important mission for Congress to go get that document. This morning, James Comer said, I'm going to get it. Last night, Eli Crane said, we're going to get it. This, uh, there's going to be a nexus between the classified document scandal and the impeachment scandal. Wow, that is really interesting. Uh, John Solomon, thank you so much. That is fascinating, the timing. It's fascinating, it is. Oh, my Thanks, God. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Thank you, John. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, it's getting uh, – can you write a novel like this? No, no nobody's clever enough 
Well, has wild enough imagination to write that novel, John. You know what John just put together, as we just heard here on the air, is that the documents that were classified, some of them found in his belongings that Robert Hur talks about, are tied to Ukraine. And, of course, the whole thing with the prosecutor, that makes the, the plot thickens Ed Cox. I mean, yeah. that's interesting. It, it, it's it's very interesting. And the, with respect to the – this is about the, the uh, impeachment also. Because the impeachment is related to the firing and then the prosecutor and all that. So it all is linked together. It is wild. Governor Patterson? So whenever there's an investigation, if you are at the center of it and you get off, uh, there are always going to be some things said in the investigation about things they thought you You're did You're talking wrong. about the report, Governor. I'm, You're uh, talking about the report that was just the, released. The report, yeah. Right. Which was basically an investigation. And what... I I could not believe that within two hours of when the report is out that somebody would get up and start arguing about the report. You haven't even read the whole report and you don't really know what the what the political fallout's gonna be, but it's not gonna be over two or three days. And I, I, I think to, President Biden should have kept his mouth shut. That's absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. In, in short, that's what I'm saying. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. Uh, Rita, there's uh, Claudia Tenney on, the congresswoman. Absolutely. Joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, uh, you are calling on the cabinet uh, to explore removing President Biden under the 25th Amendment. Explain. Thank you. Well, it's such an honor to be on with uh, such a distinguished panel. I I, uh, greatly appreciate the honor to be here. Yes, uh, look, I looked at this report yesterday. I'm also a lawyer. Uh, I took one look at it, and I you know, the special counsel actually made the case that President Biden committed a crime, that he actually knowingly, willfully removed, mishandled, and disclosed classified documents repeatedly over a period of decades, which he's not, he has no immunity to do that as a senator and vice president. Uh, president, interestingly enough, has that unique immunity, but yet the prosecutor decided that, well, uh, even though he's guilty, he decided not to go through with the prosecution, citing that he thought he was a kindly old man and forgetful and that maybe a jury wouldn't prosecute him. But that is not a standard for determining whether you're going to prosecute. You know, that's selective prosecution. You, prosec- you, know, you prosecute someone like President Trump because he has a forceful personality and uh, mental acuity, but you're not going to uh, you know, prosecute someone like Joe Biden. So if he, in fact, does not have the mental capacity to stand trial or to face a jury of his peers, then how is he actually competent to be the president of the United States to also be the commander in chief over our armed forces? This is curious to me because my son is a Marine. And I just see this as there's no middle ground. You can't take a position that he's not competent or able to be uh, viewed by a jury, but yet is competent to be president of the United States. It's a binary choice. And I think it was very uh, interesting the way that the special counsel made the case that he actually willfully, with intent, which is required by criminal law, violated the law, and yet they decided not to prosecute. You know, one of the things, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, too, is that even when President Biden tried to do cleanup, which we all agree was disastrous, um, he then even misspoke because at one point he was talking about what was going on with Israel. And he says al-Sisi, who's the president of Egypt, uh, and then he refers to him as the president of Mexico. Like he just he just verified what everything was said in the report. Yeah, 
and other things. Now, remember, look, Joe Biden has been doing this repeatedly. The more he is out in the open, the more people are seeing this. So think about some of the things that were in this special prosecutor's document date back to 2017, where he had, you know, really a, you know, real cognitive issues back then, severe memory problems. And look, I, I am sympathetic to anyone who is, is facing cognitive problems. This is not about someone being old. I have friends in their 90s who are as sharp as a tack. They have mental acuity that's extremely high, high functioning. I think Joe Biden has had some incidents physically that have made him less able to do the job that he needs to do. And I, I argue the most demanding job and probably the most important job in the world and on this earth is president of the United States and commander of the largest force that we have. So I, I just I really this is really getting embarrassing, I think, for the for the Democrats. And I think almost they let him go out and, and really embarrass himself last night and make the, you know, prove that this is not, uh, you know, that this is not a good thing. And I, I it was sad when he went back to the podium and then took a shot at our ally Israel and uh, made the mistake about LCC and uh, and uh, the Gaza border with Egypt and, and the president of Mexico or the Mexico border. So I, I look, these are things that are very concerning that put our our allies uh, on at unrest and our enemies emboldened. This is not good. It's not a good look for us at all. And I think that he needs to be considered. I think Merrick Garland, this is exactly what the 25th Amendment was made for, particularly Section 4. Uh, they need to assemble the cabinet and make a decision. And a majority of the cabinet can bring that decision to the House of Representatives and to the Speaker Pro Tem in the Senate to determine if we should remove the president. Now, he has, all, he has ways of getting around that if he thinks that he shouldn't, he shouldn't be in that position. But one has to wonder, do the Democrats really want to try to put this guy through a campaign this year? No, then they get uh, Kamala Harris. Then they're stuck. Well, look, at least Kamala Harris has the mental capacity to do the job. She can, if the chief of staff... Uh, the Joint Chiefs or the Secretary of Defense says to her, this is our strategy. She can comprehend and understand it. Uh, look, Joe Biden's made some major errors, especially uh, when it comes to Afghanistan. You heard him last night blame his his own staff and not take responsibility for himself, knowing as a lawyer, by the way. Remember, he's a lawyer. He went to law school, and I think he was admitted to the bar. I'm not absolutely sure of that. But he himself knows the law, knows the rules, and yet... Uh, I think with Kamala Harris, I mean, people may say, you know, she's worse, but at least she has her cognitive faculties. She may not be ideal uh, candidate, but that's what the Democrats created when they picked her to be the vice presidential candidate. Judge Weinberg. Congresswoman, good to talk to you again. Let me ask you this question. You've made this demand for consideration by the cabinet of the 25th Amendment. Have you gotten any kind of positive response yet? Yes. Overwhelming response. I've heard from From uh, my colleagues. Oh, not from the cabinet. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that would be breaking news, Claudia. Yeah, that would be breaking yeah, news. We would hit the breaking news button. Yeah, no, no, not from the cabinet. No, uh, well, the, we didn't. I, I sent the letter to Merrick Garland last night and uh, and said that we would be following up with a more detailed letter. To and when this was breaking news yesterday, I was basically writing this letter out in the grocery store. So I just want you to be aware. Of, uh, I, I I was. I, I hope you brought uh, you bought some. Uh, uh, a Coke or Pepsi with Fritos for the Super Bowl. Uh, well, that's not for a couple more days. I got I got to wait for that to happen. 
So, yeah, no, I, the cabinet hasn't responded. They got it today. I'm sure they're not going to respond to me, but I know that I heard that it was, I didn't get to see it because I've been working all day, but apparently there was quite a uh, uh, interesting press conference out of the White House today. In fact, they put up someone besides Karine Jean-Pierre, and they did not put up a lawyer to discuss the ramifications of this, which I think is curious. Uh, look, they're trying to make this go away, at least Joe Biden is, but I think it's time now, and I've talked to Democrats who's, who are not going to come out in public who know the emperor has no clothes with Joe Biden. They know this is they a know, problem. They, they know. All, Claudia, all, they all know. But nobody, they, you're not going to get 67% in the Senate, and you're not going to get 67% in the, in the Congress. So, Well, let's see what momentum uh, ensues and see where they are. I mean, it could get worse as the years, as this year moves on and we get into more challenging times and some grave error. I mean, here's a guy who's making decisions about our border, decisions about our military, and uh, decisions about strategy. And uh, I, I think that uh, at some point the American people are going to make a demand here on, on uh, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. This is going to come to a head. Thank you so much, uh, Congresswoman Tenney. And uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank, thank, thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, thank you. Well, Governor Patterson has a well, I mean, two cents. Just to be uh, accurate, the 25th Amendment does not set up a process where the cabinet is the arbiter of whether or not the president remains. What the 25th Amendment allows is that if that majority of the cabinet comes to this conclusion, they can remove him. So it's not like you're appealing to a court or something like that. So it, it, you can, know that but, they wouldn't answer they, her in the I, first place. She wants place. to respond. Go ahead, Congresswoman. Yeah, no, they, the, a majority of them can make this recommendation. Now, remember, this isn't only in the case of a president with a situation that, say, for example, President Biden has, where it's just, you know, this uh, obvious cognitive impairment. When President Reagan was shot, he didn't have a chance to invoke this 25th Amendment procedure to put the vice president in place. So it's a temporary measure. So if the majority of the cabinet presents this, they actually the Congress can weigh in on it and the president can object to it and say, I reject that and continue to hold office. And it can, the, the cabinet can go back again. So it isn't uh, like a final arbiter, like a court, but it is a process that is detailed in Article, Section 4, actually, of, Article, wow. uh, of the 25th Amendment. Thank you so much, uh, Congresswoman. Yeah. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we come back with Larry Kudlow to find out how the economy is going. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And by the way, everybody, Friday is pizza day here at WABC on National Pizza Day. How cool is that? I didn't know. I'm eating one right now. It is really good, John. It is really good. It is. And it's just, and it's just plain cheese. They have the best sauce. Uh, it's the, from the iconic Grimaldi's Pizza at the old Limelight Church in New York. Um, and that is the official pizza of WABC. And I am convinced that part of the reason that Ed Cox and the judge 
and also that Governor Patterson, that you guys all come on Fridays. I think Governor Patterson, I think it's because of the pizza. That's that is my belief that that is the reason that you are here. Ed Cox, I see you. you uh, it smells good. You bet. Right? It smells great. I can't believe you have good. You have good uh, willpower. I am resisting. <laughs> For once. I can. For once. I'm well, not. While you guys are eating the pizza, I'll take care of Larry. <laughs> Larry's going to be jealous. Larry, we're having pizza today. Grimaldi's pizza, the best pizza in the world. Where is mine? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Larry. I knew it. <laughs> Larry, the country's leading economist, Larry Kudlow. What the heck is going on? It looks like the S&P has hit an all-time high. Uh, yeah, it has. Um, I just want to say... Uh, with this Joe Biden story, not only is he illegal, not only is he incompetent, he's bankrupting the country. I wanted to mention the new CBO numbers, Congressional Budget Office numbers that came out this week. And because of the her report, it didn't get much coverage. But you just got to hear this for a second. Spending, federal spending is estimated to go from six trillion to 10 trillion in the next 10 years. The budget deficit is supposed to go from 1.6 trillion to 2.6 trillion and publicly held debt from 26 trillion to 48 trillion that's the CBO report i mean it just spells bankruptcy and uh, again shows his ineptness oh my god that's those those are very large numbers um, i mean you can't you can't have that kind of spending those kinds of deficits and that kind of debt creation without doing great damage to the economy. And it raises another question. Even though the rate of inflation has come down, prices are still high, but the inflation rate has come down. You have to ask yourself whether under these numbers, the inflation rate is not going to go back up. So that hasn't been solved either. But these numbers are just awful uh, for an economy that's, you know, fairly resilient. It's beyond belief. I mean, again, spending from six trillion to ten trillion, deficits from one point six trillion to two point six, and the debt held by public from twenty six trillion to forty eight trillion. Okay, over the ten year window, and I'm sorry, but, you know, obviously because of the political stories, this thing has not been covered properly. But it's it's a bad story. It's a very bad story, and it needs to be fixed uh, by the next new president. And I, I was on one of the television networks the other day, and food prices are not going down. Mm. Food prices are going up, and I've been told that the uh, the uh, prices of containers to bring it from Asia or overseas, because what's going on in the Panama Canal mm. and what's going on in the Suez Canal and the Red Sea, increased 50%, Larry. Wow. And that's not well, being you know, covered. That's not being covered by anybody. Actually, I'll, I'll have a look at that for our show next week. Um, you know, I call this the affordability crisis, where middle and lower income people have been hit so hard. I mean, even before these supply chain problems, uh, food price groceries up over 20 percent in the last three years. Uh, Electricity is up about 30 percent. And even with somewhat lower gasoline, which is now about $3.15, that's still up by about 30% from three years ago. So, you know, these are things that are doing great damage to middle and lower income people. 
And um, it's based, I look at it as part of Biden's collapse. Um, I thought this, her report was damning. I think the Democrats are going to try to replace the guy. You know, John, what you said at the, at the prosperity dinner a couple of weeks ago, you may be right. <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> the big shots are going to have to replace him, especially after this, her report. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's mind boggling what the heck is going on in our country and uh, what's going on overseas. And, it seems like uh, uh, Secretary Gates, when he commented on President Biden when he was uh, a senator of 30 years ago, 20 years ago, he hasn't made the right move on international politics yet. And whatever he does is always wrong. That's what Bob Gates said. Yeah. Uh, look, at, it's a broken presidency, and he's going to be retired. There's no two ways about that. Anything else you want to say? Uh, what else is going on that you know about that you you think uh, – the people want to know, and you're going to be on at 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock tomorrow, number one show on WABC on Saturday morning. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about all this, the politics. We're also going to talk about these budget numbers, and we're also going to talk about Israel. You know, Biden slapped uh, Netanyahu in the face at the press conference last night, and he did it again a day before uh, in a Democratic conference. But Netanyahu's about to uh, take out Hamas in southern Gaza now. I think that's very, very important. And, you know, you just wish that the administration would be tougher on Iran. We're still appeasing Iran. We have not solved that problem, uh, despite the so-called retaliatory attacks last weekend. So there's always something to worry about. But you know what? America looks like it's broken now, but it will recover. It will recover. It always does. It's the greatest country in the world. You're right. God is watching over us, Larry. I'll be listening to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow on WABCradio.com. Worldwide, 173 countries, 50 states. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. And now let's go to Rita Cosby. Rita, you got some hot news out here. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you heard here at the top of Cats and Cosby, the White House is pushing back against the Justice Department special counsel's report. The report says that Biden is too old and too forgetful to be prosecuted for keeping classified documents dating back to his time as vice president and senator. A White House spokesman calls the report's criticism of Biden's poor memory inappropriate and gratuitous. House Republicans will take another shot at impeaching the Homeland Security Secretary next week. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise will return to Congress after undergoing treatment for blood cancer, giving Republicans another vote in the effort to impeach Mayorkas for his handling or mishandling of the border. February 29th is the date that a strike by more than 5,000 Anheuser-Busch union workers could begin if a deal is not reached. Teamsters Union President Sean O'Brien says the company must commit to job security demands, wage increases, and enhanced benefits. And, John, those are your hot, hot, hot Goya top stories of the day. And I know how much you love the Goya beans, especially those, with your soup. Those Goya beans are terrific. Very and very nutritious and very, very healthy. And uh, everybody, when we come back, uh, you just heard Larry uh, was talking about it. Larry Kudlow was talking about how Biden threw Israel under the bus. We're going to be talking with General Jack Keane after the break on that. 
your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. We're back. We are back. John, I'm sorry. I'm enjoying my uh, Grimaldi's pizza here because it's so good. It's very good. The governor loved it. You loved it, right, Gov? No, I just ate it. So that it wouldn't be... No upset anybody here. Want another piece? <laughs> no, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> That's a sign of good pizza, you guys. Well, we are talking about President Biden lashing out and essentially throwing Israel on the bus. He said it last night during that very angry press conference. It's par for the course of how he's been handling Israel of late. And joining us now to talk about all of this is the great General Jack Keene. General Keene, we're so happy to have you. Of course, former Vice Chief of Staff of the U.S. Army and also Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. General, um, first of all, happy belated birthday. I know I wished you happy birthday recently. Um, and also your thoughts on where the president is going with Israel. Well, I think where the administration has been going with Israel for some time now, for several weeks, is obviously to push back on Israel's military operations. I'm convinced they would actually go to an immediate ceasefire, uh, not just temporary to release hostages, but permanently. Not going to say anything like that publicly, but I think that's really where they are. They They want this to end. And the reality is, That is in direct confrontation with what the prime minister and the IDF is trying to provide in terms of security for the people of Israel. They know full well if they don't get to the leaders of Hamas, if they don't take the overwhelming majority of that network uh, and destroy it and dismantle it, this organization will rise again, rebuild and reattack and put the security of the Israeli people at risk again. After all, the objective of Iran and Hamas is to weaken Israel so politically that the people do not have confidence that they can provide security for them, and then that begins to put Israel on the exit ramp because people do not want to live there. That is the objective here. And what the prime minister and his military commanders are trying to achieve is, is very challenging, and it's obvious in terms of the amount of people they're dealing with, the tunnels and the subterranean a- aspect of it all. But it takes time. And this administration has interfered with the tactics, with the kind of operations that are taking place, and have tried to force a different operation on them. Fortunately, the prime minister and the IDF have resisted. And that is why the president is so frustrated, because they have pushed different operations on him. And what do they want? Do targeted raids on the ground only, focus on the leaders, and do not do systematic clearing. And what that gets you at the end of the day is a protracted war with the sizable amount of Hamas still left alive in terms of their fighters and their network and leaves the leaders, most of them, but not all of them, alive. And that's the reality of what we're dealing with here and why Netanyahu is pushing back, and, and I respect them for that. What the, what the Americans have got to do is get out of the way and let Israel accomplish the mission that they're trying to do to protect their own people. 
Yeah, and yet at that uh, very angry press conference last night, I want to read the quote that he said. President Biden called Israel's military response in Gaza over the top. I mean, that is so destructive. And then at the same time, he's talking about continuous aid for the Palestinians and like Israel's like, like just sort of thrown like a throwaway line. It's really painful. Yeah, it is. That is the, the fact is the Israelis have gone so far out of their way to protect the population. I mean, the mission that they've assigned their military is staggeringly difficult to conduct an operation in multiple cities that has hundreds of thousands of people in them and then asking the population to move. And those who do not move, they, they tell them when they're going to target the neighborhood that they live in so that they can at least move out of the neighborhood. In all my association with warfare, I have never, ever seen a precedent established like that. Because not only are you telling the people in the neighborhood to move out of it, you're telling Hamas every single day and every single week where you are moving your military force and what you're concentrating on General, obviously gives them opportunity, not just to leave, but here's the significant part. It gives them the opportunity to attack and to ambush the Israelis who are conducting that operation. General, didn't uh, President Obama ask them to leave their trucks before they blew the trucks up? I didn't understand what you said, John. I apologize. I said, didn't President Obama... Ask them to leave their trucks. In other words, don't blow up a truck while the driver is still in. They, uh, the, the American military asked them to leave the truck, and then they blew up the truck. No, I'm not. I'm not aware of that. There may be an incident like that, but I'm, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. President Obama did have rules of engagement concerning U.S. military that were very restrictive on us. And the fact is, uh, when President Trump came in. He changed the rules of engagement, and he delegated authorities to the tactical commanders to make decisions not only on the rules of engagement, but also to to conduct and plan their own airstrikes and something that should not be lawyered up at every level and overseen by the White House in Washington, D.C. And that changed the nature of the war dealing with ISIS so that – the military was able to collapse ISIS much more readily and in a much shorter period of time than what Obama was doing in so restricting and constraining the military. And everybody, we're talking to General Jack Keane. Uh, Judge Weinberg, we just have about a minute left. General, good to talk to you again, sir. What about yeah, the, great. The, the moves by uh, Foreign Secretary Cameron and uh, the White House staff, Sullivan, saying that they're starting to seriously consider recognizing Palestine as an independent state. What does that do in terms of reinforcing the ability of Iran and Hamas to continue fighting? Yeah, you know, I I think what's so frustrating about that is trying to establish a geopolitical solution when we're not even close to something like that and, and force that on the Israelis when they're still conducting a military operation. I mean, what the geopolitical end state will be, I take, will take time to involve. But to impose an independent Palestinian state and to make that statement after October the 7th, 
when the majority of the Palestinians in the West Bank publicly supported the operation and the horrific atrocities that were committed on October the 7th, not to say the least about the people in Gaza who are supporting Hamas on a daily basis. And to say that what we really need is an independent Palestinian state established at the culmination of this, I think is far too early to discuss something like that. This is something that has to evolve over time and has to evolve in a mature way with the support of the Israelis in moving towards something better than where we are today. And I I think that just is completely unrealistic to make statements like that. I agree. I agree. I think everybody agrees. Uh, General Jackine, thank you very much. Always great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, General. Yeah, great talking to all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, Dr. Siegel, it's great to talk with you. You wrote a really powerful column about Biden's uh, fitness or lack thereof uh, to stay in the Oval Office. Your thoughts, because you're a medical doctor, so uh, explain. First of all, it's an honor to follow General Jack Keane. He sounds a little congested. He can call me after the show. (laughs) (laughs) He is is one one tremendous hero. Wait, wait, wait. Are you seeking business on our show? Wait a minute. (laughs) Well, now, look, I solicited a dinner invitation the other night, and I got it. That's true. It worked. You're right. It was very effective. It was good to have you there. It was. So it was great to be there. Great to be there. Listen, um, here's the deal with this column. I think there's been a devolution here with the president, and I can't examine him, but what's really shocking and lacking is anybody stepping forward, any physician or any medical record or any MRI, to actually try to defend this position. Because we're not talking about somebody's grandfather here. I mean, he is somebody's grandfather. We could be sympathetic and compassionate about that. But we're talking about somebody who reaches for the president of France and chooses Mitterrand, who's been dead since 1996. I ran this by my 100-year-old father, who knew right away when Mitterrand died. He knew when President Biden was vice president, to the year, and he's 100. So the point there is that it's not about linear age. It's about fitness, and it's about cognition. And neurologists have told me, and this is the most important thing, that as cognitive function worsens, long-term memory goes next. First, it's short-term. So you're seeing a change here that appears to me to be a worsening of memory, and memory is directly tied to executive function. These are not gaffes. Let's stop calling them gaffes. They're lapses. They're memory lapses, and they're tied directly to the ability to think and decide. And, of course, he's covering it up last night because the person that's losing it is the last to know. They don't want to admit it. They don't know it even, and they're going to maintain there's no problem. That's characteristic of this. As is the anger he showed. I was going to ask you about the anger because, boy, we saw that last night. You know what? It reminded me of what, what was the Clint Eastwood movie? Is it El Camino? Remember right. where he was like, get off my lawn, kids. You know, it was like it, like the grumpy old neighbor. That's how he was to the press last night. I mean, it was it was very unpresidential. It was shocking. I mean, he was screaming at the press. And it wasn't just Peter Ducey, you know, from Fox. He was screaming at the CBS woman and mm-hmm. the NBC woman. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's a very unsightly situation, and and you know, the 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 bait and switch that then that then went on, where we're supposed to be, you know, talking about the prosecutor here rather than the president, 
when the prosecutor was actually saying, I want to let him off the hook against the idea that he that he pilfered these records. And we're going to let him off the hook because he's, you know, he's uh, unable to remember what he's doing. So we can't we can't go forward on that. I want to say a quick thing about that that I've not said on TV. Rita, John, listen to this. And the judge will back this up. That's not what a special counsel is supposed to do. That's what a physician is supposed to do. So I have written affidavits saying somebody's not fit to stand trial, somebody's not fit to go to prison. But why does a special counsel say that? That's absolutely really right, hilarious. Doctor. Yeah, no role. It's the same thing that Comey did with respect to Hillary Clinton. It's not their job to make that decision. Not their job. Uh, Doctor Siegel Edcox here. Uh, you know, the president was extremely energetic and he actually had a full conversation, if you will, in the way he stated things. Now, Kennedy did take uppers at times. Do you think that for some occasions like this, which are very important to him, his doctor is giving him something that that would, in fact, help him get through it? Dr. Siegel? We lost him. You know, you said the word Kennedy. He dropped off. <laughs> John, it's but the conspiracy. So Rita, was he's it at the airport? Grand to... Torino? Yeah, yeah, Gran, Gran Torino. Grand that's Torino. what it was. That's yeah. what Grand I was Torino. asking. Grand it's Torino. Funny, that's what you thought. I was thinking um, uh, Humphrey Bogart and the Kane Mutiny. Yeah, no, no, Grand Torino. Remember where you were shouting, kids, get off my yeah, lawn and exactly. screaming. That's what it no. felt like last night. But I think the government's right. It was better. extremely unusual for the way he was presenting yeah and he actually yeah. went through a full set of thoughts even though he made some mistakes with respect to the country yeah he made but about his, his midi's policy with respect to it which was quite extraordinary for him normally he doesn't do that uh without a script in front of him yeah but boy that it was i think it was so the, the cbs question, reporter is, that he was like who the hell what the hell are you talking about that's what and she said i'm just asking about the report dr, dr. siegel is back yep dr siegel was it when we said kennedy that it dropped off was that was that what happened yeah, uh, you think that was somebody listening to our phone line here? I don't <laughs> yes, know. yes, yes, absolutely. So, the CIA has never left that, have they? So, Ed, go ahead. So the question is, do you think that he is receiving some kind of opera like Kennedy received uh, before major events or things? That's possible, but I can't actually confirm or deny anything like that because I don't have the medical information. But let me tell you, the other issue here is waxing and waning. If you're losing your control or you're losing your memory or your judgment, it waxes and wanes. So the White House will seize upon a moment where he seems more conversant. See, 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 no problem. And then it's followed immediately by an enormous memory lapse. And that's very typical for this type of situation. So obviously they might try medications to speed him up. Speed is useful in that in this situation. But we don't know if he's taking anything or not. Dr. Siegel, thank you. Have a good flight wherever you're going. I won't well, I won't tell anybody where you're going. And um, I don't think anybody can give us a better report than that. Thank Absolutely. You. I want to know where he's going. It sounds like somewhere <laughs> good. <laughs> it's sounds- a security I'm, risk. Oh. Going, I'll tell you this. Wherever I'm going, there's a Gristini's and there's a WABC radio station. That's, that's <laughs> smart right. man. Smart man. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great weekend. You You too. Take care. Uh, Let us take a break. There's some breaking news. This Times Square shooting, armed and dangerous teen migrant arrested after a woman shot firing on cops. Is this the same one? That's that's the same one. Kennedy and Curtis. uh, No, that's a different uh, one. That's a different one. No. Well, why do you say this no? This is a real crime. I, because I know the story. Well, yeah, we're, not, we're smart. Hey, well, all the migrants look the same. We're not, we're, no, 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 no. That's a different no, case. No, no, different That's story. a different case. Okay. 
I just did checking, that's all. Yeah, you just checking. Let's take a break, and when we come back, who do we have, Rita? We have Andy McCarthy, who's going to talk about the legal aspects that he has seen in the Her Report, and also more about the 25th Amendment, which I know the Gov is curious about. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And, of course, everybody talking about the special counsel report. And now there is word that President Trump is calling on the Department of Justice to dispose his classified document case because he's looking at what was in the documents and the report that came out on President Biden's. Well, joining us about all of this is Andy McCarthy. He is the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Uh, Andy, your thoughts about uh, Trump saying, you know, hey, maybe we got to get rid of my case. Look at what President Biden did. Well, I've written something, Rita, that uh, suggests that uh, what Biden should do if he really wants to, you know, try to recoup a little bit from this is he ought to pardon President Trump on the classified information counts in his indictment. Everybody in the Biden White House and apparently through the special counsel's report as well uh, says that the reason that Trump was charged and Biden wasn't was that Trump obstructed the investigation, but Biden cooperated with it. If that's true, um, you know, we don't give medals to people for cooperating. We indict people who don't cooperate. That's the way it works. Uh, it's not a defense that you cooperated with the uh, with the investigators, but there's no reason to treat the classified information counts differently. What they ought to do is get rid of Trump's uh, classified information counts and get it down to just an obstruction case, since that's the reason everybody says Trump was charged and Biden wasn't. Uh, Andrew Ed Cox here. Uh, didn't it really start with the selection of the prosecutor? I mean, if you want an indictment, it's Jack Smith. If you want a report instead of indictment, you go to a person, a prosecutor like uh, like sure. Bob Hur. Do you uh, it, you've been a prosecutor? Is that what happened here? Yeah, I think that um, uh, Smith is much more um, uh, aggressive, and uh, I think he's got an ideological bent. I think that um, he he plays fast and loose with the rules when he indicted Trump, um, even though there's no capital riot charge in the case, he made a public statement that was all about the capital riot as if that was the, you know, the basis for the indictment. So he's done that kind of stuff uh, all along. He's also, I think, strategically indicted the case, especially the uh, election interference one in August in the hope that he would get it to trial. In fact, he did it with both indictments in return uh, he, he's being governed by the campaign calendar, which is utterly inappropriate for prosecutors. Whereas I think her um, bent over backwards to you to what used to be the norm that, you know, if you're dealing with a, with a president and you have a, a kind of a classified inform- a document situation, there's a lot of people who've gotten away with that. I don't think it's right, by the way, that you know, these guys get away with it. And for example, people in the military who have access to much less sensitive documents get prosecuted all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're in a very dangerous place when we've smashed the norm that 
the incumbent administration shouldn't use the criminal justice system against its partisan foes uh, as leverage. And, you know, once you uh, once you go down that path, um, you're not going to have much of a justice system or a political system left. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Andy McCarthy, uh, Governor Patterson, you have a question for Andy McCarthy. I was just thinking about your suggestion and. You know what it would be would be a clever response from the White House at a level that I'm not even sure they could even understand themselves. But it would make the the president look a lot better under under these circumstances. Yeah, I think it would, Governor, because it not only would be the right thing to do, it would suggest, you know, as pushback for all the stuff about how he's overwhelmed and his mental acuity is. And I, I don't have a judgment about that other than what we can all see. But at least it would show that he understands what disturbs people about the distinctions between the two cases and that the idea of two tier justice is is very annoying to a lot of voters. Um, So it would be a rational response. It would also be a situation where he would being he would be being solicitous in a way of Trump um, when Trump is, you know, full time nasty as to him. So I think he, he there'd even be a sense of sort of rising above all that. And as you um, pointed, but, you know, and as you pointed my, out, they had my number and they didn't call me. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you pointed out also that the, the only distinction was that Trump cooperated. So he got points. No, and this Biden is a, cooperated. I'm, I'm in a Biden cooperated. Well, they claim he like, cooperated. Uh, like you get points, you know, like in a in a bid or something. And this yeah. is actually a trial. I mean, this is. And this is a report to determine culpability. That's exactly right. Cooperation with the authorities, lack of cooperation can get you indicted. Cooperation with the authorities in a criminal case is a sentencing issue. It's got nothing to do with whether you're guilty or not. If I commit a murder and I decide like the best thing I can do is cooperate with the authorities, they don't forgive the murder. Right. You know, right. I think, I think <laughs> Andy, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back. Let me ask you this question. Sure. If a, a motion was brought before the trial judge in the U.S. District Court to have this case dismissed because of this disparity in the interest of justice or, or misconduct by the prosecutors, whatever theory they wanted to use, you think it has any chance at all? No, nah, because it, selective prosecution is a really uphill motion. Um, I, I, I can't, I, maybe one or two I can think of over the years that even got any traction. It's just very, it's very tough. It's, you know, there's no, pol- the decision whether to prosecute is completely in the federal system, at least, uh, a duty of the prosecutor and the court really can't review it. And so it's not a good basis to uh, you know, if you could show racial animus or something like that as the, as the distinction, that's one thing. But selective prosecutions really – I think he'll do a lot better with the jury with it uh, than he will with the court. Especially yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Uh, Andy, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Andrew thank McCarthy. You. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God save the king. 